Hey y'all, this is the JPM Uncut, the first episode. The first, the first episode. episode. I don't think y'all ready for this, so this episode is going to be fun. We're kicking it off with something new, something exciting, something that I feel like I should have been doing a very long time ago. Oh yeah, a long time ago. A long time ago. I'm just, I need a way to just rant and just get certain things out. I'm so passionate with this idea and this style, and I feel like nothing other than a podcast could basically contain it yeah because it's uncut it's uncut so just a quick little intro so just so y'all don't (laughs) if y'all don't know i should say this is my beautiful wife this is who's been kicking off all the all the tiktok stuff all the social media (laughs) she's like the mastermind she is literally the match behind me that's pushing me forward like babe you need to do this you need to do that and so um why don't you tell them a little bit about your your you just you in general well i mean we met you were passionate about filmmaking you were out here buying a bunch of gear and i was like you better start making some money with this gear because we're not doing this we're not doing this <laughs> she i remember like now it's funny when i get amazon boxes but i remember there was a point where we would go 48 hours without speaking <laughs> because he bought a $10,000 camera we're not let's not let's not talk about the past okay we here we here so <laughs> JPM, Thank God we here. <laughs> JPM Uncut. Uh, what is it? What exactly can y'all expect from this podcast? This is not going to be one of those podcasts where I just hop in here and I just kind of talk about how to film a wedding or, you know, what, you know, just different things like that. I really mm-hmm. want this podcast to be specific because what I've learned recently, like almost like like literally three days ago recently, <laughs> I love to listen to audiobooks. Um, oh yeah. It's like it's a new thing for it's me. It's amazing it, it, for those long road trips. Long road trips. It's a game changer. I drove up to Missouri and I was listening to the 50 Cent book that week. <laughs> it's so funny cuz it's 50 Cent that made this book, but <laughs> it was called Hustle Hustle Harder, Hustle Smarter, Smarter. And I just remember listening to this book and I'm the whole 12 and a half hours driving there and back. I played audiobooks. And so I started thinking, like, we already had the idea for the podcast, but that's kind of like how this podcast is going to be designed. Mm-hmm. What I love the most about the audiobooks is that for somebody that's as creative as I am, I literally, like, nonstop thinking all day. Like, I'd be talking to my wife, and then in my mind, I'm trying to figure out, like, oh, will the Panasonic S5 Mark II be a better camera? Yeah, that's what happens when I try to talk to him about like what's for dinner or the fact that his kids have an appointment next the next day. And then I'm just like, she'll say that, and I'm just like, so I think in the podcast, we should talk about this. And it's just, <laughs> but when I was listening to the audiobook, my mind shut off. It just stopped. It was like I was listening Y'all, to what was being said. he has been quoting this audiobook all week. Like just random quotes. Oh yeah, babe, you know what the book said? Because <laughs> it's, so, it's so good. So this, I figure this podcast should be something that should be played in the car. You should drive. If you travel to weddings like I do all the time, you should definitely play not if not this podcast, a podcast, an audiobook, something to but, learn. Yeah, and um, a great way. the hopes of this podcast is just to share more, kind of ripping the bandaid off, very similar to what our the video we did on YouTube was. The uh, and here's why we do it. I want this podcast to be the place that is basically just unscripted. It's just my passion sometimes oozes. And sometimes I I, can, I only share that with her. <laughs> and so, which is why she's here. And there's so much that we talk about that really doesn't get shared because, yep. you know, been walking on eggshells a little bit. You can be a little, 
you know, do I want to share that? I don't know if I want to say that. I don't know if I want to put that yep. out there on TikTok or and on I've Instagram. I've just been nervous. It's like I've, you know, the imposter syndrome. We talked about that. Yes. And I always felt like I wasn't good enough or as good as people saw. And that was always like a reason why, you know, I struggled making YouTube videos. I struggled even being open about it on my stories and just the way that I would talk about things. And what's kind of eased my mind about that is not my films themselves. It's not the films or the style. It's the support from everybody. Mm -hmm. And so that has been something that has eased my mind in a, in a way where like, even if we get bold, like we did on the last, the last TikTok video where we were just like honest about it, like no more with eyelashes. We're done filming <laughs> eyelashes get glued Which on. is so crazy because when I first made that video, I posted it and then I sent it to Justin while he was out of town. And I was against it. I wasn't even a fan of it at that time. I know. You, I remember, like I sent it to you and you were just like, baby, no, that's not me. That's not my voice. Take I thought it, it was down. Too bold. And I was like, we have literally talked about this. Like you have literally said these words. What do you mean? <laughs> this it's, isn't you. For me, sometimes I've always felt like the way I talked about my style in a marketing scope versus my style in the wedding filmmaking industry are two different languages. Mm -hmm. And now with the, the hopes of JPM on cut is to bridge that gap. So yes. JPM on cut is going to be, it's for anybody. You can be a wedding couple. You can be a wedding filmmaker. Obviously the, the video podcast is only available here on the JPM live Academy, but woo -woo. Woo -woo, just a little, you know, too, I, I'm not <laughs> familiar with the little thing. So this might be, I'm not going to even try <laughs> sound effects one of these days. <laughs> But <laughs> which is use her for sound effects. <laughs> but it's only available video wise here on the on the uh, membership site. And what I what I really love about it now is that I want to be open about how I feel, whether you guys agree with me, disagree with me. And I encourage it. I encourage us to all be a part of the conversations, you know, through the oh, comments yeah. and things like that. This community is not supposed to be one sided where it's just me and my voice. I want this entire community to have a voice. So not Absolutely. everything I say you're going to disagree with. Like on TikTok, I see comments all the time. People are like, dude, you take way too much gear. That's stupid. And I'm like, <laughs> I agree. Like at times I really wish I didn't. But, you know, to each his own, you know, I'm never going to knock someone's opinion. So. Yeah, I was about to say, you were definitely not lugging all that equipment around for nothing or just, just for show. Like, at, are you serious? Like, point, why would you, you be yeah, out here sweating just for show? <laughs> just for show. It's way too much to try to sit and... It's so many reasons why, and as we continue to make videos, and maybe we'll have a podcast episode about it, but all this gear is literally solving a problem. And I mm -hmm. don't think a lot of us in the industry ever face that problem because, you know, I'm just going to say it, what's being taught is the easy way out. It's, it's just use a camera and crank the ISO instead of take lights and give it a cinematic look. Yeah. So my passion and the way that I really want to kind of shift our mindset in the industry is stop just showing up and doing the minimum, the bare minimum. And I really want to cultivate like a, a community of storytellers. So this style I'm hoping will become the future of what we see in weddings. Absolutely. I mean, we already see it. I don't know, just giving a very fresh perspective of what wedding filmmaking can be mm -hmm. because it's, it's been stagnant for a very long time. Like, and I think a lot of couples see what's out there like that. Like it just, they see the same things. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to want something when you do, when you're not, you know, imagine like only ever seeing a red car. You're never going to visualize a blue car. 
because all you see is red. Everything's red. Everything's red. So it's like mm-hmm. when the first blue car arrives, everyone's like, whoa, what is that? You know, now it's appealing. And now this is like something that's changing things and everyone's got their attention exactly on it. and that's exactly how we've approached our tiktok content yep. to i mean honestly we're just passionate about getting in front of people in front of customers couples that are getting married because we know that we wish we had this in our own wedding film so now we're we're trying and we're putting so much effort into our content to get in front of these couples and show them that they have options. Options. I think that's a good starting point, which is how this actual style came to life. Yes. And so I get that question a lot. Instagram DMs all the time. What made you start doing this? Like it, it was, it's a combination of a few things. Um, but like she said, the biggest thing was the fact that we just look at our wedding film, like meh, like this is us almost five years married and it's just not... We wish we had footage of our family. We wish we had some of the really close conversations and moments that we shared with our family and friends. I mean, we don't have any of that. We have like the typical wedding film. Slow motion. Bunch of clips. Uh, how many music. shots are, 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 am I... I was adjusting my sleeve like 20 <laughs> times in the film. And it's not something that we look at. In the moment when we got it, we were like on cloud nine. Yeah. Like, yo. And I edited the film too, which is even funnier, but we loved it. Like, and we think about it from our perspective too. When we were, you know, uh, going to get married and searching for vendors, I was just online looking at what a wedding videographer was, what I should expect out of a wedding video. And the I really price. didn't know. And yeah. my concern was just how much was he? 400 yeah. <laughs> bucks? Oh, bet. Get two of them. Like, you know, like it was easy because at that point, we're only looking at it as a number, you know? Mm-hmm. How much is it? Because it's all the same. Or a check to check off the list. We got a videographer, done. Like, literally. And, and couples see that the same way. When I get inquiries now, my couples all say, I love that your films are this or that they don't do this. They love that we're not taking the approach of just slow motion and just, you know, meaningless B-roll. And we're adding actual story elements into it. Mm-hmm. That is something that I feel like the more we continue to push, not just myself, but as an industry, which is why the Live Academy even exists, which is why this podcast even exists, Mm -hmm. is because we're trying to make this the new normal. Couples that start seeing that they can actually get stories about their family will invest more into wedding filmmaking. It will become the priority almost second to like a venue. Couples get a venue, then they go straight to their photographer, then they get their coordinator, and then they get every, I've been booked after they were like, "Oh yeah, we can't book you right now. We're we're waiting to hear back from the DJ." <laughs> the DJ. Like if it came down to it, just get an iPad. You know, I'm not knocking any DJs out there. I'm just saying. But it's crazy how a videographer has become so low on the list. And I think that speaks for itself. Like, what have we been doing for years in the wedding film space to be so low on the priority list for couples? And then when you think about the power of video, what it could actually be. That's exactly. when that's when people's minds start to open. That's what happened. That's how it started for me. We were like, I hate this. And literally everything that I disliked about my film is what really pushed me to, to almost doing that element differently. And it's been two years. Mm-hmm. So it's been a lot of things that I've done and just gradually kind of phased into. And even if you go back on my Instagram, you scroll down, you'll see the switch. You'll see it go from cookie cutter yes. to like, whoa, this is different. And then it just it steps up from there. 
Um, this began because of the fact that we were stagnant. I was stagnant. I was bored. I was annoyed. I was like, look, I'm just doing it for the money. And I hate, like, I love filmmaking. So if I'm doing it for the money, I'm no longer vested. I mean, I honestly remember the day you came to me and you're like, babe, I'm done. Like, I want to do more commercial work. Like, I just, I'm burnt out of weddings. Like, you know, I want to be creative. That was like the biggest thing. And that's when, you know, we just hold a lot of these conversations obviously living together, working (laughs) together, doing all these things together. But we were just talking about all of it. And that's where it was like, well, why can't you do that in weddings? Why not? And that was like, literally she said that. I was like, babe, I can't. Like, no one's going to want me to do this, like, movie. Like, I had the same hesitation that I see from people right now in my comments that are pushing at me like, yo, that's stupid. You don't need an easy rig. Why, mm-hmm. dude, that's, you should blend in. Those same thoughts I had two years ago. Yep. And now I am like booked entirely if for 2023. If y'all knew when he first bought the easy rig, how much time passed between when he bought it to when he finally <laughs> took it to a wedding, it was like probably six months because yeah. he was so nervous. What would people think? Is it too much? Like he would honestly just have it on walking around the house. Babe, are you sure? Like, I don't know. I, I might so wear it much. tomorrow at the wedding, but I don't know. And I never got the courage because I was always in my mind of like, no one's going to want this. No bride's going to want this, you know? And of course, like my wife saying people will like it, was like, oh, you're my wife. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, I couldn't really validate her answer because it was like, of course, like anything I bring to you, you're usually like on my side and you think it's fine, but it's like, it's hard to look I don't at know. it from I a usually gi- I usually give you the real perspective, well, which I, mean, I feel like I do remember when you had the easy rig on and you were asking me and I was just like, I feel like I'd be like, Hell yeah. That's why I paid you thousands of dollars. Like, yeah, I hope yeah. you have equipment, which is crazy because a lot of your that. brides now say the same thing. They say that. They're excited by the fact that it they they like having the feeling of the production team, you know? Mm-hmm. And some of those little small elements, like the Easy Rig was probably the when I started taking the Easy Rig, that was when I was like, okay, cool, I can bring anything else now. Because yeah. it that was like the most like over the top piece of gear, I think I could have shown up with. But now, and it was accepted. Like cases of lights, <laughs> cases of audio, cases of. And it is, you know, admittedly, it's a lot of work. It's a lot of time that goes into both the planning and the execution the day of. However, it's like, you know, the saying, like, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze, or it is. Mm-hmm. It's 100% worth it. Like, you create, like, me as an artist, I get, I'm having more fun doing it this way. Then if someone wanted to pay me the exact same dollar and say they wanted everything in 120 frames per second and not mic them, I would decline it in a heartbeat. Yeah, even if I was like needing the money to pay rent, I was. It's it's not like at that time when I was doing those things, it was draining the energy out of me. It was taking the creativity. Yeah, and now it's like I get to challenge my creative filmmaking side every single wedding. Every single wedding, there's new obstacles. There's new people. Sometimes there's new objections. You know how hard I was pushed back when I just wanted to mic like the father of the of the bride, yeah. and then it was like, okay, well now I want to mic the mother of the groom, <laughs> and then it was like, what about your maid of honor? All of these were the, like small hurdles that I had to cross, mm-hmm. you know. And I think all of that just helped sharpen my communication. You know, now I can approach pretty much anybody and calm that. It's like I know, like mic up, and then instant wall is built. Yeah. They're like, oh, he's Mike. No, I'm not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> but now the communication and easing the minds and just, you know, making it so that 
the film can be what it is and having that excitement and that joy for it. I think that's what's so important about our strategy behind our content too, because we want to educate couples about like, why do we mark Mike, so many people. Yeah. Like, why do you go out of your way to do that? What's so important about that? I mean, you had a couple recently that they didn't want at their wedding. They didn't want a whole lot of people mic'd up. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then when the film came out, they were wondering, like, why didn't I see this? Why didn't I see that? And I think that obviously we're realizing, too, with this style, mm -hmm. the more stuff that we're putting out, more content to educate them and let them know this is what goes into an actual film. Yeah. And that's like the big, that's why a lot of people message me and they say, Oh man, I love your style. And I'm so quick to combat that and say like, it's not my style. It's filmmaking. It's, yeah. it's actual storytelling. And I think the industry as a whole, from maybe the beginning of wedding films, who knows, whenever this started becoming like an actual profit based business, I think it was just, seen that as how can we make the most money and do the easiest amount of work? Cause weddings are hard. Even if you, I have a team and we all are exhausted and sore by the end of it, yeah. regardless of how many people you got, it's a lot of work. But if you showed up to any actual film set and I've worked with people who have had big productions and they work just as hard. The only difference is they're not dealing with people's moms and grandparents. And a time constraint. And a time constraint. And just like on the fly, like you film what you film. It's not, okay, set up action. Like yeah, it's like more like, okay, this is happening. You got to flex. You got to move. You got to run there, over here. Are you not? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that mindset of just going from I'm a wedding videographer to I am a filmmaker literally telling yourself that. And that's like where my passion was is like all my little short films and the scripts that I still have. It's always been about making, you know, short films and stories, mm -hmm. but now being able to take the same things I would do minus a hundred percent control. Cause you don't get a hundred percent control in a wedding, but taking the same idea, like, okay, let's figure out how to light it so that it doesn't look like it's being lit. Yeah. That's something they do in every movie. They always motivate the lighting they always want it to feel natural in the space. Mm -hmm. It's even harder at a wedding because we're a wedding. So we can't put up a soft box, you know, or a 20 by 20 that's like way over here with like some 600s. We've got to be able to light where it looks good. It blends into the atmosphere, but then it also doesn't feel like it's just over the top lit or it's one direction or something like that. So all the obstacles, all the things that go into it just to become an actual storyteller, a filmmaker. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you watched so many YouTube channels along the way. And I mean, primarily they were short film, film, like actual filmmakers, filmmakers teaching like, you filmmaking. And it's so crazy how all of that, you know, I, I feel like at the time you were gearing up to do like commercial work and, mm -hmm. you know, where you could play in more of the storytelling. But over time, you just built all of that knowledge up and then bringing it to the wedding space I think that's what took it over the top was yeah. when I stopped watching wedding filmmakers and I was studying people like the Mark Bones and, you know, just really focusing on the art of storytelling, like no pun at him, but the art of documentary, that's his course. But I was focusing on those elements that could compel a good story. And this style, being that we're dealing with people that aren't actors, this isn't fake. This isn't staged. We're not scripting any of these moments to happen. I had to get clever and come up with ways of like, well, how, where do I fit if I'm trying to make a story? Where does this fit? Mm -hmm. And this is where I always use the expression, if reality TV and documentaries had a kid, 
this is where we're at with it in the wedding yeah. space because a lot of those raw and organic moments are going to be the reality bits where everyone's mic'd up because you have no idea when or if something's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You know, it's even more risky because you don't even know if you're going to be there. So you might not even have a camera around when it happens. So just hope and pray that you are around. And if it happens, then you got it. So that's why we mic everyone. But then on top of that, the documentary aspect comes in because a lot of what we're doing is not necessarily staged. We're pre-planning here in the studio, coming up with our story and our structure and the questions that we could ask the father of the bride after the first look or the questions we could prep him with before he gives his speech. All of those little elements that we're doing that we would do in a documentary where we already have a pre-production and a shot list, we're bringing that in as well. So yep, doing your pre-wedding in- interviews, post-wedding interviews, stuff like that. Yeah. I think it's just, you know, trying to fuse the two in a way that, you know, and I feel like we've almost got, I still feel like I'm not quite where I want it to be, but we are very close. I think that'll close. be for eternity. Like, yeah, it may, it I think he'll ever change. feel like he's where he wants to be. <laughs> and that's just because we're like, I, I. so here I go again. Here I go. The 50 cent hustle harder, hustle smarter. He <laughs> says specifically in the book, he says he was talking about you having a team, right? And so, but I, I relate this to myself because this is how I feel. He said in that the minute someone on your team becomes stagnant, they will get left behind. And it resonated with me because even though I'm constantly told by my wife and other friends and people in my DMs and on TikTok, like, yo, this is sick. This is the best out there. I look at it and I'm like, man, I can fix my ceremony coverage. Always. Or I can, wow, my audio needs to be better. Let me find better microphones. It's never 100% to him. The sound design needs better mixing. Like I'm all, there's always an element that I feel like I look at that I may get a step ahead in. But then the next film, I'm focusing on that. Like, okay, I wanted my toast for the longest. I was like, the speeches is one of the most important parts of a wedding that always get kind of back. It's just on the back end. Like, Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, cool. You got everybody walking around. People are drinking. And, you know, now I go back to our wedding. It was just our maid of honor, best man. But I would have loved, that would have been a great time for my mom and your grandma to say something. Especially knowing what we've been through. Absolutely. And the things that we've gone through, especially since both of our parents, you know, my dad, your mom weren't there. They passed away. I think that would have been huge. Mm -hmm. And that's not thought of. And that's the things that I think of at these weddings. And when I do my, you know, consultations with the coordinators and I notice like, oh, okay, like, hey, based on our conversation, like you're really close with your dad. I think he should lead a welcome speech or maybe your mom. Or I'll do a first look with the mom and her son just because it's like, just because it's not in the timeline doesn't mean it shouldn't happen. And it shouldn't be a moment that's created for them to you know remember. Yeah, I think that is really good to point out how you connect with your couples to plan for their wedding and how you go about filming their wedding and who's important to them and all of that. There's so many steps and it's so... It's a lot. And this is why I'm so happy about doing... The one having it here on the academy is so that I can outline every little detail from pre to post because, you know, it's not as simple as just booking a client and showing up on their wedding day. To create a story, you need a sequence of events. And that was one of the things that was like almost one of the last big chunks that I realized what was holding my films back were that I was only in one location and could only capture one event. That event is the wedding. 
everything that happens throughout the day are just little bitty scenes that cover the event. It's like you have scene one and then you have your acts, act one, act two, act three, then scene two begins. But with a wedding, it's just one scene and you've got all these little acts that happen, but it's all around the wedding. And now having coverage and planning with my couples to do like dress shopping or, you know, engagement parties and stuff like that gives me an opportunity to chase a different part of the story and create a different scene. It's wild because ever since, you know, the style has taken off and you've been doing this for your couples, I think one of the biggest pieces of feedback that you get is like, we wish we could see more. Even yeah. though these films are coming out as at like 20, 30 minutes long, they're I like, know. oh, we just wish we could see even more. <laughs> I will say th- that's the hardest part is that now with the editing, which is a big thing that we'll do in a future live stream is kind of break down like the thought process but I've, it's hard for me sometimes to get away from, and I still struggle with this, editing the film where it's entertaining and doesn't drag. And sometimes what we feel is dragging is actually connecting the audience more with the story. So this is where I always, like, get you involved. I'm like, hey, babe, how's this look? Watch mm-hmm. it. And then I'll look at her reaction, and she's, like, locked in the whole time. I'm like, okay, cool. I thought it dragged. We need to leave it. You know, and I think that was, like, the biggest thing. And even doing that... Like you said, I still have couples that are like, yo, I wish there was more. Like, can we get this? Can we? And I'm like, everything is basically in there. <laughs> it's just, it, it flows and feels so organic that, mm-hmm. yeah, it ends and you're like, man, I, I need to see that. I know there was more that happened. What else I do you know. got? I know, yeah. So, um, all right, we have the halfway point. So, you, you want to do now? What do you want to segue to? Let's see, what should we segue to? Quick little breather. That's good. That was a good combo. I know. It was good. So maybe we could talk about the Academy since this is the first episode. Maybe people can just click this video and listen Well, in. I was thinking the only thing we didn't touch on is like like when you accidentally mic'd the bride. Or did you want to talk about that at all? Like that happening? Going into the beginning. Okay, yeah. Let's segue to like, okay, so what, how did the style actually begin? After we had the conversation, what was I focused on? And then. Yeah. What really kicked it off where I realized, you know, what we needed to do. Yeah. All right. So let's transition into how you actually started this style. Like, where did it really start? So, well, I remember we had that conversation where we talked about, you know, I was just ready to get out and transition. And then you kind of brought light into just make it a movie. And so I started thinking about like, okay, well, how can I make it a movie? What can I do? And I think what really kind of jump started it, where, where I got the idea to like, okay, you know, we really can push this, was um, lighting. I think that was the first thing, was like getting the cinematic look. We mm-hmm. always try to achieve that. And so I started taking like two lights to a wedding, nothing crazy, you know, one in the front, oh, one in man. the back. The day when you only had two lights. Two lights, you know. And not. 30. Yeah, literally. I was taking two lights for a wedding, one in the front as a key light, one in the back as a hair light. And then I realized that that looked great. I was I was trying to achieve like a cinematic look. How do I get there? You know, um, the first thing I had to do to do that was to stop filming in slow-mo. And I think that being the, the scariest part of the whole transition. I was about to say, was that a hard transition? Oh, it was incredibly hard because like I think a lot of us film in slow-mo because we fear we're going to miss the shot. So as long as we've got two seconds and 120 frames per second, that two seconds becomes like 18, 16 seconds now. We're good. 
Even if you only got like a, oh, that's it. You can stretch that now. Whereas <laughs> now it makes more sense to me. Filming in 24 frames per second, it's like you miss it. It's gone. You missed it. You know, and so it's really difficult, like transitioning and going from slow mo to 24. That was like the first thing. But when I started doing that, that's when things got intentional. That's when like I started to instantly notice what my like I was getting the cinematic look because I knew what I was aiming for. Mm -hmm. I knew what I was framing for. I wasn't just pointing the camera at something and then it's just that's it. It's good, you know, because I know I got 60 frames per second. I can slow it down. It was like, okay, do I want this in slow-mo or do I want this in regular speed? And I would be making these conscious decisions on to when I would go into slow-mo versus when I wouldn't. Um, another big part is that we filmed with Black Magic and I got tired of like four terabyte weddings. It was getting way out of control. <laughs> so, <laughs> but once we transitioned from slow-mo to 24 frames per second, then it came to where I wanted like sound bites. And originally it started with me just using like my NTG3 shotgun mic attached to the Ursa. I was just kind of, I wasn't even interviewing at that time. I think I was just running around with the camera and I was just, you know, I had a good quality mic so it can pick up good ambient. Um, and then what we started to do was mic, you know, we would, we were already miking like the officiant and the groom, but at this is where it really started kicking off Sage and Chance, which is like our number one film on TikTok. Yes. That was the first one that blew up. It had all the pieces. It had the cinematic vibe and it had the sound design and the sound, uh, the sound bites a part of it. So we mic'd the bride uh, a little bit earlier than we usually do. I, I typically put the mic on the bride right before the ceremony. It's like one of the last things I do. I do that. Then I go outside. My only reason for doing that was because I was always afraid that the mic would fall off. It's like I didn't trust anything. I was like, look, the mic's going to fall off if I do it too early. So I'm going to do it like 10 minutes before she's like getting ready to line up. And then I'll go outside and get ready. Well, we mic'd her like two hours ahead of time because they had, it was like a crazy pack schedule. They had first look with her dad, first look with the groom. It was just like back-to-back -back events. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm not going to have time. Let's just do it now. We did it. And accidentally, right, like we weren't supposed to have her mic'd. We're filming in the bridal suite and the, the photographer, it opens up. The beginning of this film is on my YouTube, Sage and Chance. The beginning of the film starts with her in the bridal seat sitting or in the bridal room sitting down. Photographer's like brushing her hair, trying to like get her photo ready. So she's just kind of doing her up a little bit, you know, making sure she looks good. But she's like talking to her about Chance and just like, yeah, so how'd you guys, I think she asked, how'd you guys meet? And, or like, how'd you guys really like get so strong? And she was like, yeah, well, usually like, I, I don't go for younger guys, but like chance is just, he's so mature. And she's like pouring her heart out about him. And I'm I standing there and rather than just continue to wait, which is what I was like conditioned to do. Mm -hmm. I started recording. I had the gimbal, simple little record. I didn't say anything. She didn't even know we were recording because all of her attention was on the photographer. So I'm just doing a little gimbal sweep. And, um, I remember getting home. And this is what kicked off time code for me. But I remember getting home because at the time we were using a Zoom F2. I know all of this is going over your head, but they get it. They know what I'm talking about. <laughs> they know. So I was using a Zoom F2 field recorder and there's no time code on that. So it was just like running recording. I remember getting home trying to find that sound bite, and it literally took me like three hours because I had like eight recordings. I had no idea what part of the day it was. I knew it was earlier. So it was in at least one of the first three recordings. Um, but then it was just like these two hour recordings. So I'm just scrubbing through waiting to hear. And it was only like 30 seconds at that. So a two hour recording, I'm looking for 30 seconds 
And so it took forever. I finally found it and I used it. And then I kept listening after I left the room. And that's when I was like, yo, what the heck? So much gold in that. It got, because her bridesmaids came. So what happened? She was in the room by herself because we were doing portraits. So we got everybody out because we were like, hey, we need the room. Like it was a small room to begin with. And so when all the bridesmaids came back in, they were just talking and it was just the, I don't remember what was said, but I remember it being so heartfelt. I'm like, yo, I should have stayed in there. And I hated that I didn't. But then I started realizing, what if I mic'd up the bride all day? Yep. So the next wedding film that we had right after that, which was Jillian and Gabriel, what did I do? I now had Sennheiser AVX mics that went straight to the camera <laughs> because I was not going to be searching and for sound bites. this is why the gear purchases keep going. <laughs> now do why. y'all see it's not just to buy new gear it's and not say, to spend uh-huh, I got it. No. I mean, you guys should be happy because yeah. I did all the hard work already. I've already I've, I've tried everything. everything. <laughs> I, yeah, I tried everything for you. Look at me. Everything. I tried. tried. Everything. I tried it. And so now it's like I needed a solution that could alleviate searching for the sound bites. And at the time, that was a Sennheiser AVX. I used that for a good four or five months. And then I realized that I was limited to how many I could use when I was starting to mic like moms, dads, and maid of honors and best men. So that's One day where he went from like four mics to like 20. And like it was, it was over some time, like, you know, a week. So, (laughs) no, but it was all to solve a problem. I think Sage and Chance was the first film where I realized, you know, the gold is in the shadows. And I say that a lot in my consultation call, but that is exactly where you find the story. That's such a great way to put it. It's better than doing any wedding day interviews. It's better than doing any type of sit down interviews before because you're you're never going to make someone feel as comfortable as them talking to their family. Mm-hmm. It's just, especially when you've got a big camera around. The best time, like you you hear it all the time. The best photos that I take is when I don't know you're taking them. Off guard. Yeah, off guard. It's the exact same approach with weddings. That's why the miking is so important because not always am I miking you for your audio. You might be talking to grandma who's not miked. Now I've got both of you. Yeah. So it's not about just miking just because that person has a mic. It's who they could be talking to that's not miked that now you have a microphone literally in the middle, which allows two things. It allows you to catch the audio and stay away. You don't need to break up that conversation. You can film it from a distance, 70 to 200, no problem, because you have a mic that's literally in the middle of them. So. See, there's so much gold already in this podcast. Already. And I'm just like, man, we're only 35 minutes in. This is crazy. I, <laughs> I just, I really want this, you know, this is just one of those podcasts. Like I said, going back to the whole 50 cent book, and this is what really got me even more excited about it, is that it just helps. It's good to listen to other people for their perspective and then use that perspective Been to telling formulate him this your for own. months. Okay. It is. It is. I, I think that was the best part. I would listen to. I listened to his him read the book twice, and both times I, I like picked up something new. But it was you listened like, to it twice. Twice, yes, I did. I listened to it twice. I was, Sorry, I'm laughing because the whole time he was listening to this book, he was, I mean, not that he was texting and driving. He was like pulled over at a restaurant. <laughs> of okay, course, texting of me, course. but texting oh, no, me like I quotes I literally every hour on the hour. Because certain quotes. things were just so powerful that it was like I couldn't believe. It was like I kind of I felt that way, but it was like it almost felt like he was speaking to me, right? 
I felt like 50 Cent was talking directly to Justin Porter. Has no I feel idea like it just had a lot of things that you needed to hear to get to you hear. out of your own way, which I have been trying to do for so long. That's why I think the JPM Uncut, I want this to be just a way for you to listen. And maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Who knows? It'll just at least give you a different perspective. Because I think the biggest thing with our industry right now is that we are unwilling to change our mindset. Yeah, that's so bad. It's so bad. Now, Don't I, say stagnant. I'm guilty of it. I'm guilty of it because how long did it take before I started doing it? It was. It took so long because no one else did it, and it's hard. The fear of like, what if they don't like? What if this? What, what if are that? people gonna think? What are people gonna think? Is the, is this the right move? Is this style what people want? I mean, let's be honest. Imposter syndrome. We talked about it before. It creeps in. A lot. a lot, like all the time, a lot more than you'd probably want to admit. But he'll come to me and like, babe, I don't know, I don't know, am I even good? I'm, are you kidding me? You have six over six hundred thousand followers that are literally too. commenting how amazing your work is, and you're coming to me telling me that it's the feeling of like, what if I let them down? Not, I've never done it, but it just it's the thought, all those same thoughts that I'm sure you guys have, I have, and I every single time I film, it's just like. What if my interviews don't go well? What if mm-hmm. my lighting's not that good? And then until I start filming, I regain that confidence. I'm always like reassured, like, oh, we're good. Let's just stick to the notes. You've done your pre-production. We're good. But yeah. I think as an industry, this simple mindset change and filming clips, filming short takes, and rather than filming the story, I think just changing the mindset to that is easily going to, one, elevate your films, and I think it's going to help put the writing filmmaking industry in a more serious conversation when filmmaking as a whole is brought up. We're Absolutely. always clowned about it. And I hate it. It's like, you know, it's it's so annoying, you know, but whatever. It is what it is. People are I like, mean, oh, wedding filmmakers aren't filmmakers. And the I'm, good thing is you're changing that perspective. That's the hope. Like, let's be hope. out here making films. Create stories. Yeah. So real quick, before we end this episode, I just want to talk a little bit about the Live Academy. So I feel like we should give you guys an expectation of what this academy is for, um, what it's about, and what you can expect through, you know, becoming a member in this community. Um, So first off, I hate courses. That's just, I know, right? Like, here we are, and I'm telling you, I, I hate courses because I think fundamentally they're like, they're created wrong. A lot of these courses, just like a lot of the wedding filmmakers, they're all in it to make $1,000 or make money quick and give you very basic information. Or maybe it is good information. I'm not saying all courses are bad, but majority of them are just, uh, you know, get, a get rich, rich quick, quick scheme. scheme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in doing that, we invest this money and then maybe we do learn things. There's been plenty of courses I've bought where I learned like one or two things out of a out of like 80 modules, I've learned like two little things. And the issue with that is that those things that I had still had questions with and the reason that I bought the course, I couldn't ask. And that was like the most frustration for me. Or maybe I had to go to a Facebook group and then in the Facebook group, I'd ask a question and I maybe I wait like two or three months before getting a reply or someone else in the group would reply and the answer wasn't what I was looking for. I comment, never get a comment back. It was just this never ending cycle. How do you buy into somebody's course and you can't, message the teacher or talk to the teacher like or or have these moments where it's just more open yeah and that's where so the jvm live academy the the it's in the name live i i'm doing all of these videos they will be done 
live. Live. With the intent of all of you, hopefully you can make it to the live stream. But that way, if you have questions during the live, we can address them. If I'm doing an editing breakdown or sound mixing breakdown or showing you how to, you know, maybe pre-production or anything, and you have questions, the goal is so that it's not just this video that's like, hey, do these steps one, two, three, four. And then that's that. And you're like, well, how do I get to step one? And yeah. now you can't figure it out. I want to be able to walk you through that. So the, the purpose of this is to do all of the training live and then you'll have the rewind. So you can always go back and rewatch. But then even then we'll have this open community, which is basically our own personal Facebook page. If you haven't mm -hmm. been there, check out the community. Um, you can make posts and everything right here within the platform. And I'll be responding to those and prioritizing those just like I reply to almost everyone's DMs uh, and things like that. So this is going to be not a course. I feel like it's not a course. I mean, it. I feel like it's it's good to call it like a learning community. Yeah. Um, I know like community. I don't know. <laughs> You're I, always like, it's not a community. I, I'm a, I don't like to, I don't consider myself like, I, I don't consider myself like the guy that is doing the best or I just feel like certain words kind of insinuate that this guy is better than us. And that, that's not how I look at it. Yeah. And so I'm always con conscious on how I approach it. Um, like even when we came up with the whole one-on-one -on -one mentor calls, I like despised the word mentor. I was just like, can we just call it one-on-one -on -one call? Like, but then it was like, well, we had to have some sort of name in it. So they knew what it was for. But, but you have to remember, everybody's kind of looking to you and looking up to you and your style and what you're doing and the information that you're putting on I me. Mean, you're essentially, you know, teaching this style. You need to Harness that. I mean, Take I, it I, by I, do, the horns. I do, but you, you get. Hopefully, y'all understand. But um, yeah, he so just the, doesn't like any of the cliche words. Which I don't. I, totally I don't get. like the cliche words. I'm not like you know. You hop on here and it's like meet your master teacher, Justin Porter. Like no, like you know, I don't <laughs> want it to seem like it's one sided. So. Well, that's why I like learning community because mm. not only are they going to be learning from you and this style, but as they can interact on mm. the community platform, then. You know, they can probably help each other, answer each other's questions along the way. And you're all just focused on learning and growing together in this style and mm. changing the whole industry, the wedding film yes. space, which is huge. So it's going to be everybody working together to do that. To do that. And I think once we get there collectively, you know how many times I've had couples reach out and I was booked and they go, well, do you know anyone that does this style? And I'm like, No. That is flat out. No, I can still send you recommendations, but it's going to be far off from this style because no one's no one's doing. I've always been open about teaching it, um, but it, no one else is doing it. And I, and I think those hearing that is like an, a sign for me, like, yo, we need the industry to be here because as soon as we are, everyone, everyone. And how many times have you had a couple and you're like, man, they don't want to pay. Right. But I've had the same couples reach out that are like, you are way over my budget, but we need this. That's so true. Like people have had $2,000 venues. Remember, we would look, we always look up the venue. It's like, you have to, when they, they put it in the form, we look up the venue. We're like, wow, this venue is only like 1800. And then the old me would go perfect. That's within my price range. That's, that's great. You know? Yeah. But these couples, they will book me for 10 or $15,000 and their venue is only 1800 And I think a lot of people that I've done mentor calls with had this mindset of, oh, I only want to film luxury weddings. Or I only want to film like, you know, high-end weddings. 
And I, I always would argue what dictates a luxury wedding. Because exactly. a, a good story could happen in a backyard. You know, some of the best documentaries came out of third world countries. You know, not everything had perfect cinematography and they've won awards. So if you again, going back to mindset, because I'm going to talk a lot about that on this on the podcast. Oh, yeah. That could Getting be out of the video. mindset and just focusing on the story, interviewing your couples from the jump. My consultation calls will have some of those videos on here where I can break down just how I how I conduct one and how I am very personable. And I try to get to know them because right out of the gate, you should get a good sense for their story. But prioritizing that over like, oh, yeah, the venue looks amazing. This venue is like three million dollars going to be dope. Because, like, yeah, you're going to have a cool place to film, but you still need all of the meat and potatoes. You need I the story. I think the fact that couples, you know, have a low-budget venue but are still willing to pay these prices for you speaks huge about how much this style has been missing from wedding videography, the wedding film space, and how much po- untapped potential that there is. 100%. With showing people what could happen when they hire a wedding filmmaker. And when I I feel like as you guys start to go through the Academy and watch some of the live streams and you start picking up these things, I'm just I'm going to keep saying it. It's always going to be mindset. You have to be willing to do the work and transition your mindset from I'm just I'm going to be just this wedding videographer to I want to be a wedding storyteller. I want to be a wedding filmmaker. And when you do that. And you start taking, you start facing these obstacles. Every wedding you go to, you might face obstacles that I haven't faced and you need to figure out how do you adapt. One of the biggest things that really helps me and and makes me go like, just do it is they paid me for one job. Do that job. That's Mm -hmm. it. They paid me to film this whole wedding day. Film it. Don't, I no longer take the excuse of I couldn't get a camera there or I couldn't get a shot. Or, you know, this or that. Like, if I, if they paid me, again, to do it, <laughs> you know, it's literally my exactly. job. So, you again, going to mindset, getting out of that mindset and just accepting the fact that this is what they paid you for. They want you to create a story for them. So, do that. Do that. So, I think that's a good segue for today's episode. I think that's Absolutely. like, that's pretty good. Um, I'm excited, y'all. The, the podcast, this is we're still rough around the edges. So this is episode one. Bear with us. I would say by episode 20, we'll have a solid routine. But again, it's it's mainly to just bring you guys a different insight to, you know, it's it's a way to consume the content and just open your mind. I think the podcast is gonna deal with a lot of mindset changing. Um, I'll do a lot of debatable topics. Like I see this all the time. Some couples are like, oh, or some people on Instagram are always, you know, commenting like some couples only want slow-mo or this wouldn't fly in my city or my venues that I work with wouldn't allow it. And again, I think it's mindset, but we'll talk about all that in another video uh, coming up. I think I, I have my little outro songs. So let's like get that fading in a little <laughs> bit. I'm pretty excited about it. Um, but that's it. That's the JPM live oh, yeah. or JPM uncut episode one. Get ready for more. Get ready for more, y'all. I appreciate y'all. We'll see y'all in the next one. JPM live. I'm on the mic. I got bars. Psych. Y'all go ahead and turn it off now.